Last week, we talked about what to do when God does provide and he gives us, he answers these prayers. What do we do with this provision that God's given us? And we said last week that we need to faithfully steward the provision that we've been given with faithfulness and with wisdom. I'm going to define what a steward is and provision in a second. But first, I want to read Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, about this guy named Abraham. Abraham is what we would consider a grandfather or a patriarch of faith in Scripture. And God gave him a promise. God said, Abraham, I'm going to, through your lineage, I'm going to leave a legacy. God gave him this promise with one thing that Abraham got kind of tripped up on, and it was the fact that he did not have a son. So God, how can you do this incredible thing of leaving a legacy through my lineage when I don't have a lineage? You see, Abraham's wife was barren. Her name was Sarah. And isn't it just like God to promise something that's possible in the midst of what we think is impossible? And so Abraham has a relationship with God, and in this relationship, God delivers on his promise, and Abraham has a son named Isaac. Now, what we're about to read, in a lot of ways, is earth-shattering when God asks Abraham to do something with his son Isaac that I don't know that if I was in his position, I would be able to be faithful. Let's read and find out what it is that he asked him to do. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, and here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, and he saddled the donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up, and he saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, You stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there, and we're going to worship, and then we're going to come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb? For the burnt offering. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Those are with exclamation points. Here I am, he replied. And the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. So Abraham went over, he took the ram, he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide or in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, he said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's an incredible story of Abraham being obedient and faithful to the relationship that he had with God. 
that God had given him a promise. He had delivered on the promise. And Abraham was going to be faithful in stewarding the promise that he had given him and his son Isaac. That Abraham was going to be faithful to the provision that God had given him. And he was going to be faithful to the relationship that he had with God. For us to understand provision and stewardship, I'm going to take a second. I'm just going to redefine these. I defined them last week. I just want us to all be on the same page so that we don't mistakenly think one thing when we're talking about another. Provision, oftentimes, people will take as just meaning money. But provision is so much more. Provision is resource. So we can say as a resource that it could be money, but it also is food, shelter, family, friends. It's your good health. It's your time. And it also is finances. This is the provision that God has given to us, all those things. Now, I have to tell you that you might be listening to this and you might be thinking, Pat, I don't have a relationship with God. I, I, I don't even know what I think about God. I just want you to know something, that regardless of where you stand in your relationship to God, the fact does not change that God is still the one providing for all of your needs. This is the wonderful part of God's faithfulness. He is faithful to being your provision, even if you don't accept and acknowledge him as such. Now, stewardship is a funny word because we don't really use this word a whole lot anymore. But to be a steward, there's two parts to that. There's a noun and a verb. And we're going to talk about the verb part. I call it verbing. So if we're verbing steward, that means that you're managing, you're looking after, especially someone else's account. This implies that we are not the owners of what it is that we're overseeing, that we're looking after, that we're managing, that there's an owner and we're not the owner of that thing. We're stewarding somebody else's property. Now the noun is a fiscal agent like an accountant or a CPA or someone who oversees a trust or an inheritance. One who actively directs affairs, an overseer, a house distributor, a house manager. So it's this picture that as a steward, you and I become stewards. We take on who we are as a steward. I talked about this last week. We need to be a steward. We don't just need to do stewarding. It's possible to be committed, but we need the conviction. And conviction comes from who it is that you say you are. So I want to say that I'm a faithful and wise steward. So that implies I'm taking on the identity of I am a faithful and wise steward. It makes it a lot more difficult for me to get up in the morning and not do that thing because I have a deep conviction about it. The biblical definition of stewardship is the responsibility to manage all the resources of life. Now, what are all the resources of life? All the things that I just mentioned that God provides. Food, family, shelter, good health, time, finances. Those are the resources of life. But to be a biblical steward, we're managing all those things for the glory of God. Not for my own glory. And in doing so, we're acknowledging that God himself is the provider. Simply put, a steward is an overseer, not an owner. And I want to do my best that we, if you're a follower of Jesus, when we say, God, I believe that your son died for me, but now I'm going to follow him. Those are two different things. 
One would think that believing implies following, but I can tell you in our society it does not. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, I want Luke 12, 42, and Jesus said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? I am a faithful and wise steward. Today we're going to talk about how to be faithful. Number one, the first thing we're going to talk about is stewards are faithful to do. Stewards are faithful to do. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace, verse 21, make you complete. So who is it that's making us complete? The God of peace. You and I can spend a lot of time working on a lot of different projects and a lot of different things, thinking that that's going to complete us, thinking that that's fulfilling, thinking that that's the answer to all of our hungers. But the truth is, it's the God of peace who makes you and I complete in every good work to do his will. Now let's break this down. In every good work, that means there's work that we could be doing that's not good. What is good work? Good work is faithful work. What is faithful work? Faithful work is the work that God is calling us to do that we're stewarding as a steward. We're stewarding these things well. So an example of good work would be, God, you've given me time, energy, money, family, friends, good health, and I'm now going to do the good work of stewarding those things to your glory. It may look like coming across someone that's in need. Saying, God, I'm going to steward this moment right here. There's someone in need. I'm going to step in and I'm going to do something about it. As you've given to me, I want to give to others. This is good work. Let's define this word work. Work means to toil. This makes me think of being a farmer. You know, the flyover states. It's just the middle of America. What's there? It's just farmland. It's just toiling out under the sun. It's just this hard work. It's just being consistent, getting up every single day and sowing into the ground that God has put you in front of so that you can reap a harvest. That's work. Faithfulness is the same way. That it's work and it's something for us that when we are doing the good work of sowing good things into rich and ripe soil, we're reaping a good harvest. And we're doing, this is the word, to do God's will. This word do means without any, to, without any delay, means to fulfill, or simply put, to work. Work is part of of being faithful. Did you know that being faithful takes work? It takes work. Paul, the writer of, of a lot of what we read in the New Testament, wrote to the church of Thessalonica, we call them Thessalonians. He wrote to them in the second book of Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 10, he says, for even when we were with you, because he was spending some time with them, he was admonishing, he was encouraging them, he was teaching them, he was helping them grow. And he says, even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, and here's the rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. The hungers of your life, the hungers of my life, that drive us to want to eat, 
The drive is to want to partake of things that are offered to us in society. That we could spend our time and our energy and our money on working, but it's not necessarily good work, will always leave us hungry. And we need to do the work of faithfulness. Because when you don't work, you don't eat. Being a steward in this way is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple to say, be a faithful steward of what God's put in front of you. That's simple, but it's not easy. Have you ever thought through something before? And sometimes maybe you've even written it down or you're talking to a friend and, well, all you have to do is, and then you, you tell them, well, this is, this is, you know, to run a marathon, all you have to do is run 26.2 miles. That's simple. But I can tell you something. Anyone who's run a marathon will tell you, it isn't easy. And I've learned in my life the most beneficial things in my life, the biggest blessings, the most reward, the deepest of gratitude and joy and thankfulness and satisfaction in my life come from the hardest decisions that I have to make. Come from the toughest of roads. Oftentimes we look for easy street. And being faithful to do the work means that sometimes the thing that's right in front of you, it's like there's this famous poet, his name's Robert Frost, and for some reason I have just this, I don't know the rest of this poem, and I'm going to butcher this part of it, but there's this part of this poem that he, he, he writes, and, and, and it's buried in the back of my head somewhere, and there's just this one point where he says that he comes to a fork in the road, and it says that I chose the one less traveled, and that stuck with me. And I thought, why did he choose the one less traveled? It's because it probably has the biggest reward. But on the surface, it's not the most alluring. See, work doesn't look fun. But work is the most rewarding. In fact, work doesn't look fun until I need to eat. Are you with me? Say amen. So God, I want the blessing of faithfulness. I don't want to do the work. Stewards are faithful to do the work. Number two, stewards are faithful to each and every step. Not only are they faithful to do the work, they're faithful to do the work on each and every step. Now, Abraham was faithful to each step. I'm going to paraphrase the entire passage I just read, chapter 22. I'm going to paraphrase this by just drawing to our attention all the things that Abraham did faithfully that were a step, an individual step. Each one of them was an individual step between God calling his name Abraham and giving him an instruction and Abraham naming a place after God, Jehovah Jireh. He was faithful to every step. So Abraham did the work of being a faithful steward step by step by listening to God, number one, employing two servants, instructing his son, loading a donkey, cutting the wood, making the journey, delegating work to Isaac, making fire, carrying fire, 
carrying the knife, building an altar, arranging the wood, binding his son, laying his son on the altar, hearing the angel, seeing the ram, retrieving the ram, sacrificing the ram, and ultimately naming the place that God delivered and God was faithful. He named it, the Lord will provide, Jehovah Jireh. Abraham was faithful every single step of the way. He did what I like to call fractionally faithful work. Fractionally faithful work. He focused on the one thing that was right in front of him. It's the 1%. I'm going to focus on the 1% that's in front of me. I'm going to focus on the, on the thing that seems like it's the least of my concern. Because God, I'm thinking about the mountain. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the sacrifice. I'm thinking about how the heck are you going to get me out of this one? You promised me this son. You promised me a legacy through my lineage. Now you got me marching a mountain to worship you, and I'm going to sacrifice my son. How are you going to deliver me now? How are you going to give me a promise now? And you could be so focused. You and I could get so focused. Abraham could have been so focused on the result of the task, he would have missed the relational equity of being faithful to the one thing that was in front of him. Abraham, are you listening to me? Yes, I am. Load the donkey. Loading the donkey. Check. Get two servants. Got two servants. Check. Stewarding each step is fractional faithfulness. Luke 16, 10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. What is least? What does this mean? I mean, broadly, I understand that God says you need, to be, you need to be really faithful with the little things before I'm going to allow you to have the opportunity to be faithful with the greater things. Let me break down this word. What, what is least? It means simply smallest. So he is faithful with the smallest of things, we'll also be faithful with the abundance of things. What are these things? What is least is smallest, but smallest what? Smallest, and this is in the Greek, it means smallest in size. Goes back to this idea of Abraham seeing each step of the way to him was an important step every single one of them. I'm going to be faithful, God, to listening to you. I'm going to be faithful, God, in gathering the resource. I'm going to be faithful to loading the donkey. I'm going to be faithful to instructing my son. I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful to then speaking to my servants. I'm going to be faithful to taking the journey one step at a time. I'm going to be faithful to doing the thing that you asked me to do, step by step, one percent at a time. It means to be smallest in amount. This is where it gets deep. It means to be faithful to the smallest in terms of importance, as in moments. Sometimes you and I have moments that God puts us in front of. In fact, right now you're sitting in a moment. Boom, that just passed. You're now sitting in front of another moment. Boom, it just passed. You're now sitting in front of another moment. What has your attention Sometimes I'm with my kids, and my five-year-old is like, Dad, 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 Dad. And you look from the outside, and you're like, man, that kid has a problem. 
And it's like, what was that kid's problem? They just keep repeating dad. Well, it's, it's not the kid's problem. It's the dad's problem. Why? Because the dad isn't understanding that that moment is monumental in the grand scheme of things. And perhaps I'm a little bit disconnected. I'm on my phone. And then all of a sudden, my kid, dad, dad. And then, and then you know you're really disconnected and you're not being faithful to that one, that one moment that's in front of you. Because this is what happens. Dad, Pat. When your kid starts calling you by your first name, you may not be faithful to the moment. And we think, I'm going to tell you, this is my confession, my admission. I'm like, what's the big deal? It's just a moment. But I don't know what God wants to do in that moment. And God is saying, would you be faithful to the moments? Would you be present? Would you not look at the moments and think they're insignificant when I can bring something significant in a blink of an eye? It means that we need to be faithful in the smallest in terms of the estimation of men. How you look at people. This means in rank or excellence or importance. Their dignity. That there's times in life that maybe we are around people and we don't pay much attention to that one person out of the hundred. And we think that's not that big of a deal, it's insignificant. They don't, rank, they don't rank in excellence. Maybe they're not important enough for us to spend that time with. I am so thankful that God did not look at me the same way with his son, Jesus Christ. I have done nothing to deserve his undivided attention. I am the smallest of things, and so are you. And God was faithful to the 1%. In fact, I love this, this passage. It says that God, out of 100 sheep, God will leave the 99% and go after the one. He's faithful to the 1%. God is a fractionally faithful God. Never losing sight of the 100, but being willing to take the moment with the one. Every single moment is monumental. Every moment. Faithfulness to 1% times 100 will give you 100% results. And too often, we're focused on the finish line. And we need to be focused on being fractionally faithful. One step at a time. I love this story. There's this, there's this young man right now. His name is Chris uh, Nikich. And Chris, awesome young man, was born with Down syndrome. In October, it was Down Syndrome Awareness Month. And Chris decided he wanted to be a triathlete. And so Chris went out with a guide. He has some obstacles physically. He's challenged with his vision. So he goes out and he competes in this very short distance triathlon and he's like, this is great. He has this guide with him and he says, I'm going to try to go into the Special Olympics and do it. So Chris makes it in the Special Olympics and he races in the Olympic distance triathlon and he comes in dead last. And Chris is just gutted. He's like, this is the worst feeling ever. I want to be better. He's telling his dad, I want to be better. And his dad says, would you be willing to be dedicated and committed and have a conviction in your heart to being 1% better every single day? Chris said, yeah. 
So two years ago, Chris started the journey of being 1% better and being fractionally faithful 1% at a time. So he moved from Olympic distance, he moved into half Ironman distance. 70.3 miles this young man raced. It took him eight hours and 25 minutes. Now I want to give you, I, I want you to understand this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example of the struggle that it takes him to do this race. He takes eight hours and 25 minutes to do that race. That same race I will typically do in four hours and 45 minutes. He is not choosing the easy road. There are plenty of opportunities for him to embrace fear, which is your foe when it comes to faithfulness. There are plenty of opportunities for him to get discouraged. And Chris goes on, and over the two years, he said, I'm going to make the decision that in the 13 days coming right now, in, in 13 days, this young man is attempting to be the first person with Down syndrome to complete a full Ironman, 140.6 miles over three disciplines. You got to fight, you should find this, like, amazing, all over social media. Interviews with the Today Show, ESPN, I mean, kid is incredible. And in 13 days, he's going to face every single challenge. But over two years, he was faithful, fractional faithfulness to the 1%. In fact, he has a B1% better challenge for 30 days where he wants you to do it and then invite someone to do it with you. Truly inspirational, this young man is. And he has this quote, I love it. He says, you influence what you focus on. You influence what you focus on. And if you want to influence, if I want to influence the end result of the race, the finish line, we actually have to influence and focus on the one thing that's in front of us today. One step at a time. One moment at a time. One relationship at a time. Sometimes one breath at a time. But we are going to be better and we're going to be brave while we do it. And we're going to be fractionally faithful with what God has given us. And I love the fact that Abraham was being faithful, just like our buddy Chris that we heard about. That Abraham was being faithful and all the fear could have taken over. And fear could have stopped him from taking a step forward. And fear could have taken him from that, that, that picture of bravery and being a patriarch of faith. We could see a whole other history written with Abraham. If he would have taken his eyes off of the prize of the one thing that he needed to be faithful to right now. I'm going to tell you the trick. Abraham was not being faithful to the results. He was being faithful to the relationship he had with God. You see, God, I think the story is proof. God could have asked Abraham, listen, God asked a father who struggled with being able to have children, who finally had a son. And this son has a promise attached to him that a legacy would be left through him. And God asked Abraham to sacrifice him? I got to tell you, what that tells me, that story right there is willingness to be faithful to the one thing that leads to him being able to be faithful to seeing the ram in the thicket. What are you missing 
What ram in the thicket are you missing right now? Because maybe you're too caught up in, in being focused on the result and you're not focused on the relationship because I think Abraham at this point would have done anything God asked him to do. You know why? Because he was faithful to the relationship. It would have been yes, God, no matter what. I'm going to focus step by step no matter what, God. Being a steward who is fractionally faithful to the 1% will always lead to a 100% reward. What can you steward better right now? What can you steward better right now? What is stopping you from being fractionally faithful to what's in front of you right this moment. I love what our buddy Chris says. He says, this is his quote. He says, let me win. Do I think he's going to be the first person across the finish line in 13 days? No. Do I think he's going to be the biggest winner that crosses the finish line? Yes. You know why? He was the most devoted. His win doesn't look like everyone else's win, and neither will yours. But I love this. He says, let me win. But if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. What's stopping you? What's stopping you right now from being fractionally faithful to that work that God's put in front of you? Because I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I'm in Chris's corner and I'm going to be glued to social media to see what this young guy does. One step at a time. I'm in his corner. I'm in your corner. Can you commit today to being 1% better as a faithful steward? Because anybody can do one thing one time. Why don't you stand with me? Next week, we're going to talk about the importance of wisdom attached to your faithfulness. Being a steward. Right now, I just want to pray. Father, I just want to ask, number one, I want to thank you, God, that there is no failure in faithfulness. Hear me. Steward this moment well. Just stay with me for a second. Don't check out. There is no failure in faithfulness. You win because you were faithful. The finish line, whatever that is, is so subjective. 
God is asking you right now to be faithful, to do the work of faithful service to the thing that's in front of you. And there's never failure in faithfulness. So Father, I ask right now, as we as we as individuals, as we as a family, as we as a church, as we as a community, as we as a country, imagine for one second what it would look like if you say right now, I am a, I'm a believer and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Imagine what our communities would look like if we took on the challenge of being 1% better in our faithfulness to what's in front of us. And every single day we just said, we just want to get 1% better. We can do anything one time. Father, I ask for the strength and the bravery to not delay, to do the work, knowing that you're a partner with us in that work, that you're faithful to doing the work in us and through us and with us. And I ask that we can be fractionally faithful to the one thing, to the 1%. There's no failure in faithfulness. Being faithful to the one always leads to 100% in results. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen and amen.